Hello and welcome to the latest edition of China Inc. by Bamboo World, where we discuss the latest business and financial news from China and what it all means. I'm Doug Young, Bamboo Works editor in chief, and I'm joined today by Renee Bangles, one of our founding partners, who's also a longtime China watcher and former investment banker. Today, we'll look at a new barrage of economic stimulus measures from Beijing and how it may differ from past efforts to stimulate China's slowing economy. We'll also look at the latest trip to China by a member of Joe Biden's cabinet, in this case, by Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo. We'll start with economic stimulus, which has been quite topical for much of this year. Most of the talk is centered on the half-heartedness of Beijing's efforts to prop up the economy, despite numerous signs of problematic slowdown. But that seemed to change last week when Beijing announced several major new initiatives, including some to stimulate the stock market, as well as interest rates cuts to boost business and disincentivize consumer savings. And last but not least, we also saw some major new measures to boost the struggling property market. So, like I just said, the, these aren't the first economic stimulus measures announced by Beijing this year, but the timing of so many incentives in such a short period seems to suggest maybe that the government is taking economic stimulus more seriously now. What's your take on these latest measures, uh, Renee, and, and do you think they'll make any difference? Well, you're right. I think that they're taking this more seriously uh, today. Um, China has, you know, very often had a policy of gradual uh, reaction to uh, economic crisis. If you exclude the financial crisis, for instance, where uh, they went in very heavily from the beginning, but this was, right. you know, 15 years ago. Times are very different these days. China has a number of issues, um, such as a government, uh, local government debt levels, which are astronomically high. Um, at the level of the state, it's still okay. But, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of indebtedness there, and very clearly the Chinese government, so far at least, has been reluctant to pile on additional debt, which would only, uh, you know, make life more difficult a few years down the road. Because at some point in time, you know, it's going to have to be addressed, it's going to have to be dealt with, and it's going to have to be managed down. So right. I think that what they're doing is they're, they're going, uh, you know, a thing here, a thing there, um, at, um, at a time, uh, pausing a bit, trying to assess whether it's working or not, and then coming back and adding more if it's not working or not working enough to, um, to their liking. Um, there's a lot of concentration from these measures right now on the real estate sector. Um, I think that, uh, you know, some of that uh, is going to have an impact uh, if we just look at the economy, at least in the short term. The issue is, you know, how long uh, and how strong the impact uh, survive from these specific measures. I mean, uh, for the economy overall, there remain a lot of issues that are not being addressed by those specific measures right now. It, it's going to give a little bit of a kick to the real estate sector, clearly, possibly a bit to um, consumption. But uh, for the consumer to feel comfortable again to really spend, especially on big tickets, 
capital goods and so on, we're going to need to see, or they're going to need to see a much stronger improvement in the economy, feel better that uh, their jobs, um, you know, will continue, will not be at risk, that uh, generally speaking, uh, their income will continue to rise or will rise again. These are the things that boost consumer sentiment, at least on a longer term basis. I don't think that this is happening yet, right now. Mm. Uh, I think we're going to see a bit of, uh, you know, catch up demand, pent up demand being satisfied, uh, but that should be fairly short term. Well, so so you're you're not extremely optimistic, or you're not ex extremely thinking we'll see something very big. But uh, investors certainly seem to like all the activity. Yeah, we we saw a pretty good rally for Chinese uh, the stocks that we usually cover uh, last week, and actually I think they're up again. Uh, you know, the at the start of this week. Um, do you think this rally is going to be sustained, or? or you know, what does Beijing need to do next to keep the positive sentiment up? There's never been a shortage of investors who <laughs> are gluten for punishment. Um, and uh, especially when it comes to China, uh, you know, make investments, investment decisions primarily based on what, you know, uh, the Chinese government says uh, it will do or is doing or whatever. Uh, or what is uh, critical for the country going forward and so on. I mean, the, uh, you know, investors went in heavily in December, I think starting at the end of November and then in December because the economy was going to rebound and go gung-ho and so on, and then they pulled back a few months later. And I think that, you know, this is, this is another uh, shot at that on the part of some investors. Um, hmm. The um, uh, whether uh, this is going to continue or not is um, is a big question mark for me. I mean, the hmm. government is saying a lot of things that if if they execute on that convincingly, then should continue to get investors uh, to invest in in Chinese stocks and in the economy overall. But, um, you know, some of those um, grand statements are so much in contradiction with the uh, actions of the government over the past two years, two and a half years, that, uh, you know, one has to wonder, and that's what I hear from investors in the U.S., you know, one has to wonder whether uh, they really mean what they're saying or whether, you know, this is um, a talk that, along with other measures such as asking big investors not to sell uh, <laughs> stocks, asking some others to buy stocks and so on, whether it's just all, a, you know, part of a concerted effort to try and shore up the market as opposed to meaning real change and lasting change uh, mm. going forward. Right. It's really hard to measure some of these things, you know, I guess, unless the property market starts booming or, you know, those lowering interest rates, you aren't going to see an immediate reaction. So, you know, sometimes it could take months or longer to start being seen. All right. Well, uh, I guess we'll we'll see if the stock market keeps rallying. I, I think I'm probably of a similar bent to you, thinking uh, probably going to run out of steam, but you never know. And yeah, let's move on. Uh, next, we'll look at U.S. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo's trip to Beijing and Shanghai last week. 
Uh, this trip was pretty much par for the course for U.S. officials visiting China these days, filled with ups and downs. One of the highlights, at least from the Western media's perspective, was Romando's comment that China has become, quote, uninvestable due to all the recent emphasis on national security. Among other things, Raimondo raised Beijing's recent decision to stop buying Micron memory chips for security reasons. And she also cited fines made on Western companies with little or no explanation and several recent raids on offices of Western companies. So what's your take, Renee, on this uninvestable comment? Uh, clearly, she wouldn't have used such a strong word without putting in plenty of advanced thought on that. Well, I mean... <laughs> This uh, this is a pretty mild statement <laughs> compared to what her boss said that uh, China is a ticking time bomb, <laughs> but but it is it is a strong statement definitely. Um, it's um, it's also it's also you know a statement that is true. <laughs> um, growing number of companies in the U.S. but also in Europe. Um, they uh, are starting to um, you know consider that it is not such a smart strategic decision to invest further uh, in China or to not start uh, you know de-risking and taking some of their activities that are related to exports as opposed to internal consumption uh, out of the country. Uh, for all those reasons. And um, what is interesting is that after she made those comments, a Chinese government spokesperson came out and said, you know, almost said, we don't know what she's talking about. We open for business. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, we open for business. But, you know, it's kind of like a shop owner who puts a, um, a sign on the door of the, of the shop and says, we open for business, and then uh, most of what people mm. want to buy is not available inside. Uh, open for business doesn't mean anything until you start addressing the concerns of people who potentially can invest in your economy and who believe that those concerns are legitimate. So uh, this is um, this this is an interesting one because. You know, some of the points that she raised obviously have to do with things that are extremely important and very dear to President Xi and have to do with national security, um, or at least what he perceives to be our threats to national security. So I don't think that, I don't think we're going to see much change uh, as far as those uh, issues are concerned, at least whether it's the raids on offices. Uh, you know, as she put it, without due process, revisions to counter espionage laws. I would expect that as time goes by uh, and the world evolves, uh, there will be more coming down that pike. Unclear data and privacy rules. I think that, you know, generally speaking, uh, China wants it to be unclear because it keeps people on their toes mm. and, and it believes that uh, because precisely because it's unclear, uh, people will be much more careful, extra careful, will not do anything that, you know, uh, could harm uh, the interest of China. So I don't really expect a lot of change there. The only issue is whether over time, uh, you know, on the part of um, foreign direct investors, 
some will say, okay, all right, it's bad, but you know, we got to go back in or we got to spend more or whatever to, uh, to uh, grow again uh, our business in China. I think it's a bit different also sector by sector, uh, you know, whether uh, it's um, products uh, that cater to, um, uh, you know, Chinese consumption, consumers, uh, as opposed to manufacturing in China, primarily to be exported to the rest of the world. Right. I think it's, it's a very, you know, varied uh, environment, but I you know, she said what uh, obviously the U.S. administration felt she had to say publicly uh, for whatever purpose. They wanted to say it very clearly out loud. Uh, but I I do not expect uh, that it's going to have much impact in terms of creating a dramatic and lasting change for foreign uh, direct investors. So, so you know, that, that, that was really going to be my question. I mean, this has got to really be putting China, I mean, it's one thing to, you know, see the Chamber of Commerce is coming out with their same hired statements sort of every, whatever, every year in their annual, annual reports. But this time around, you know, we've actually got the Commerce Secretary, it's a much higher person and really, you know, is much more representative of, of the bigger sentiment and also the government. But you still think that that's, that's not going to be enough to change uh, the big guys view that, you know, national security is, is paramount above, above everything else. And, you know, if you don't want to invest in that kind of an environment, then too bad. Yeah, I, th I really think so. I think that national security is a, is a daily or every minute of every mm. day uh, national obsession. Um, and and it is that is what it is uh, very clearly, and it uh, dictates um, a lot of the actions that are being taken vis-a-vis -vis, uh, foreigners in particular, and obviously sometimes vis-a-vis -vis, uh, domestic institutions or domestic people. Um, but uh, you know, I I do not expect that there's going to be any major change there that will always uh, remain uh, one of the key drivers in the way that China interacts with the world um, because it is convinced that the, the world wants to um, harm China. Right. So I don't see how that can change. This is about ideology and, and politics. Uh, and, uh, you know, for the longest time, China has taken the view that uh, no matter what, foreigners will come here because they want to make money. Right. And if you go back 20, 30 years, that was pretty much the play. Then a lot of foreign companies realized that after all, they couldn't really make that much money or make real money or whatever. Uh, and uh, But China continued to feel that, uh, you know, they will come because they need us. And uh, who knows, you know, at this particular moment in time, uh, when when you look at China and the world, there's a very clearly a very strong effort by China uh, to align uh, with the global south and uh, the Middle East in particular, and so on. So you know maybe there's a, maybe there's a line of thinking that uh, it's okay if some uh, foreign companies go away because we want to protect ourselves, we'll get other companies you know, outside the US and Europe to, um, to be perfectly willing to come over, do business with us, 
help the renminbi become global currency and so on and so on so until they get raided and uh, fined and thrown in jail but uh, that's that's another story for another week all right well, let's let's wrap up there uh, thanks for joining us uh, this week in our next program we'll look at the official debut for one of china's first homegrown chatbots named ernie and we'll also look at the story of an e-commerce company that's trying to reinvent itself as a brand manager by teaming up with some big Western names. If you like what you hear, please tell your friends about us and rate us and share us on your favorite podcast app. Meantime, hope to see you next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you all.